0: Welcome back to another episode of the Nursing hand up, Handover Podcast. You've got me, Jerry, and you've got Diane here. We're here to bring you another episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the last episode.
1: Yeah, it was a very thought-provoking, very challenging discussion. But I needed one, and definitely, I think it. Jerry would agree. We enjoyed bringing it to you from a healthcare point of view.
0: Yeah, and I think we may have touched a few nerves but that's the the whole point is to create a conversation and that's what we're doing so hey ho we're here and like a week on like the posts are still going round about black lives matters and i just hope that a lot more people are more aware of the things that people of color essentially feel
1: yeah and definitely take everything as an opportunity to become well informed to educate yourself to find out you know, why things are happening the way they're happening. And once you learn and you understand, hmm. you know, do what you
0: feel is right. Yeah. So within your workplace or in the shops or wherever, if you see anything that doesn't fit right with you, please take a stand and don't, don't just watch. But yeah, yes, exactly. this week's episode, we wanted to bring you just an insight to what we feel might help you guys as it's coming towards the end of the academic year um a lot of student nurses are beginning to qualify and gain their pins and also this is i think that's the best time of year for people to start applying for jobs so yeah. this now would be the best time to start applying for jobs if you're looking to start in september and september will be the best time to start applying for jobs if you're looking to start in january so here we are so this week we're going to bring to you some stuff about jobs and interviews yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh. so so for all the non-health care listeners um, as um, Gigi just said this is prime time for student nurses who are in their third year and they're about to become qualified nurses and because they have to wait for their PIN and the PIN is something that the nursing at Midwifery Council give to us when we qualify mm. which is on our register and it lets us practice lawfully um, they have to apply and give themselves enough time to go through the process go through all the checks right up until their pin arrives yeah. essentially so our discussion our conversation our tea is going to be all about preparing you for the job that you want how to do it what to do what the employer looks for I guess yeah. and yeah and also as usual what we've gone through how it's been for us what we did and didn't do what worked for us essentially.
0: Yeah, and I wouldn't say this is just for like newly qualified nurses. I think it's for everyone because I I'm, I know Diane can also agree with me on this. I feel like sometimes we get stuck in the positions we are because so we feel like we can't go anywhere else because that's all we've known. Yes, but that's yes. not that's not the case. Like I understand, like life may take us in certain places, hence why we need mm-hmm. to continue to work in the same place for a longer period of time. But the world's your oyster. Don't let it stop you at all. Yeah, so and I think that's
1: the you. and that's the benefit of nursing is you don't have to stay in one place yeah that there's so much flexibility of the profession that you are able to dab into different things throughout your career and gain a wealth of experience in other areas while you are qualified and every experience gives you opportunity it gives you transferable skills and I think where you start is so important so you might we might find that a lot of our conversation is on focuses is on the nurse who's about to qualify
0: yeah because for example for nurses that that's qualified they can they can decide to go on like a rotational program and for those who aren't healthcare related a rotational program is usually over the span of like 18 months i believe to 2 years depending on where you, what trust you go to and you get to try either two or three different places within within your field of nursing and see what's best suits you and what you like essentially um, and then afterwards, depending on what type of vacancies they have, they may offer you a position there or they may say, like, that you've come to the end of your contract and so you might need to look elsewhere. But even by that time, you would have had the chance to gain what I think is probably a good intro to what that specific speciality would be like. Would you say the same? Yeah,
1: yeah I would say a rotational programme, like Gigi just said, it kind of gives you a taster of an environment or a specialty or an area for a short period of time while you are qualified. Yeah. Um, a lot of any kind of newly qualified roles have preceptorships.
0: Yeah. And, and even so non-qualified kind of roles, just in general, I think once you're, once you're newly qualified, your trust ideally should be offering you a, a preceptorship. Not regardless. every trust does, though.
1: FYI. that not every I didn't do one, so... Not every trust has a preceptorship. So I couldn't speak on it from personal Mm -hmm. experience. I haven't been in one. But I do know that um, in some areas, in some trusts, they do offer that. And from what I understand it to be, you're kind of like, you're newly qualified and you're being supported in a kind of special programme and you're having stuff signed off and I think you're meeting with a mentor who's specifically for you and stuff like that. But did you
0: do one? Yeah, I did one. So mine was for... 18 months luckily I was on a very 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 weird rotation for a so I worked across two different AEs. and um and my preceptorship program I thought was very well the only thing I found a bit more harder about it was that I was like the only peds nurse on this particular preceptorship all the other peds nurses happened to be on the peds one I think things had just gotten modelled up when we first qualified for that particular trust that people didn't know where to well my PDN didn't really know where to place me. But I'm not downplaying it at all. Like, I really enjoyed my preceptorship. It gave me... I got to meet other nurses from from other parts of the hospitals who had also just qualified and also also got to meet quite a lot of precepts and midwives as well. So I got to learn a lot one, of... Something. One question, just
1: to, like, mm-hmm. interject there. So a PDN is a practice development nurse. Yeah. And PEDS is paediatrics. So just because you'll realise a lot as you listen to episodes that words get abbreviated so just so you know those are what those words mean um another quick question is so what
0: actually happens in a preceptorship what do you do so a preceptorship is like again it's like being a student still being a student nurse or student midwife I guess and you've got a booklet of skills that you need to get signed so I know like when I did it like my IV trainings and that were still very separate but I know now for like the newly qualifiers that have come onto into our ward in AE, and mm-hmm. um, their perceptorship includes like doing their oral, their oral med- mm-hmm. their oral medicines, IV competencies, um, other other competencies like maybe not suturing, um, just making sure that they're geared up to essentially take take charge and take lead within their settings. Obviously, the longer time you spend in your in your preferred setting you will gain those managerial skills. But the preceptorship was to give you an overhaul of how to manage nursing life, essentially, and the big jump between student to staff nurse. Because I think that's something that even in uni, I don't think we got to, or correct me if I'm wrong, I know people do mention it like, yeah, it's a big jump from student nurse to staff nurse, but no one really ever says to you how big it really is. Like you go from being not accountable at all to being accountable for like your four or five patients, depending on where you are. Mm. And it's such so, a big
1: jump. So would you say that being on a preceptorship kind of cushioned that jump for you?
0: Yeah, and I think for me, because AE, even though I'm I'm based in pa- in Pediatric AE and the rest of the my preceptorship class were all adults, it gave me that little bit of an insight to how the predominantly adult settings run. Okay. Because I feel like, uh, well, for me, well, my department, PEDS A&E always has to follow the adult, the adult A&E's, like, way what of life.
1: structure?
0: Structure. And whereas on the PEDS wards, or, tell, or it might be the same on PICU, it's like you guys have a completely different way of life. This is why, like I say to you, I can never be a wood nurse because I've never, since qualifying, I've never, ever, apart from doing bank, had to be on a ward. And even yes. like the way that they run the ward, it's not, not the way I would run my department in A&E. Right. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does make sense. Um, yeah. So I would say... I found it quite definitely useful. I had different experiences. I mean, my first job was a rotational post that I took up. And the rotation consisted of six months in neonatal intensive care six months in a paediatric ward which is a general mm. ward so you have a various amount of conditions that you that would come in and the last six months would have been um accident and emergency paediatrics mm. and the um out of the end of the rotation you, ch- you could choose where you wanted to stay yeah essentially now i never finished the rotation i loved working in neonates, so that's for premature babies and I just decided oh I'm just gonna do this mm. and so I did like nine months of that and then I applied to go to a bigger unit to gain more experience as I was newly
0: qualified so how did you find it was... leaving at nine months to go to a bigger unit
1: um it was necessary because I felt like a nursery nurse in my first job because though i was scared and though there was a lot of things that i look back now and think goodness i know so much now and i do things so seamlessly than when i first started yeah if i had stayed there i would never have had the skills that i had i would never have had the knowledge that i had i would never have been exposed enough to the profession mhm and i think for the specialty that i chose i needed to be exposed to everything yeah before being in quite a cushioned environment if that's the right word to use um so yeah so to me it was beneficial and I think it was nice to be in an environment where it catered to all the things I wanted to be as a nurse yeah and I think that's why I never left my I never finished my rotation fair enough was because of that because I I found what I wanted in that environment and I thought I don't want to do six months elsewhere but I know I really like this and I really enjoy this and I do it well.
0: Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Because I think that's pretty much similar to me. Like, I remember when we were coming up to qualifying and everyone else applying for jobs and everyone was like, oh, make sure you apply for a rotational post. Make sure you go to a general ward first. But to me, I never wanted to do general. I had never... There was nothing else that interested me more than a and So, yes, like, my rotation was pretty much... My, my my rotation was solely A and E's, just two separate A'E's within the trust I was working for, for a year and a half, I believe. Um, but yeah, but then I like I, Do you think that you missed you missed out anything by going straight to neonates? Because I don't think I've missed out on much, if anything.
1: Yes and no. Um, I say. Yes, because I haven't dabbled my hand in the whole range of paediatrics since I qualified. Okay. And yeah. as when you're a paediatric nurse, you can nurse from zero up until 19, 19 being if the person is, has a disability or special need. Mm-hmm. So I haven't actually had to care for a child older than zero to like, what, eight, nine months old. Fair. I've only ever looked after babies. So the thought of having a patient that can talk and walk and answer back and cry and pull and be upset frightens me because it's like, my, ba- my patients don't talk. My patients Fair. cry, they act up on monitors. You know, my interactions are with parents, are with families. So I almost feel like I almost wish I did finish the... Um, rotation so at least I'd had qualified experience in the different areas not just as a student fair enough and then gone back to my passion so I would have said okay right I know I love this I had experience in these two I'm ready to go back now I'm sure I want to do this yeah now in the other side of it, I also think well that would have been a waste of time because I know I love this yeah so why would I even just go and do that just for the sake of having it on my CV when yeah. I know I want to do this and just because I'm doing this doesn't mean I'm not a paediatric nurse anymore I still am a paediatric nurse I just enjoy this type of nursing
0: which is fair so, because like yeah we're allowed to we're allowed to like what we like just like the same, way, like I can't come to ne- neonates and do what you do you could come to A&E and be like yeah I can't do what you do like everyone yeah. has like what they like about their jobs and the reasons why they've gone into it and, Do I feel like I missed something out? Probably just you know, like being on a ward and caring for caring for patients long-term wise, but then that I did on pick who, fair enough, they weren't necessarily long-term. But it's essentially like woodworking. We're just really, really sick kids.
1: Well that is woodworking, pediatric intensive care. That is. Yeah. That's one patient for 12 hours, that's a ward. That
0: is don't remind me.
1: That's a that's that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> so, like as you guys can like hear and you can see, we have between us. Gigi has worked in a lot of different places. Again, that will come up. I've specific stuck to me and but the main gist of what we're talking about is you can work anywhere.
0: Yeah, you
1: can afford to be picky. There are forty thousand vacancies. Trust me, not you. So I would say, like bringing it to our discussion, jobs and interviews is if you're you're a student that's about to qualify, is don't limit yourself, don't be restrictive of your choices. There's Mm. so much out there, and you can afford to say, I want this, I want this, I want this, and you can look for it.
0: Yeah, and you'll probably find it. Yeah. So going on from that, I think so. If I'm selecting the jobs that you want, if you are coming up to qualify in, or you're looking for a new role in general, you probably have an idea of what you like. So whether it is a rotation, a rotational post, or not, or you know you've been working in the profession for a while and you want to try something new, my one piece of advice at this moment in time would be just randomly go on um, the NHS. Oh, the nhs jobs website and just browse you don't necessarily need to apply for anything just browse see what the job description is for the jobs that you think you might like and whether you think you've got those skills to achieve it and if so then the world's your oyster what do you yeah. think
1: and um, i agree don't be shy to shop around hmm. nursing jobs are like going shopping You know, you might love a bit of TK Maxx, you might love a bit of Zara, you might love a bit of Topshop, but we all have our own individual taste and our own individual desire. There are some jobs that you look at and they instantly gravitate towards that job. And there's some jobs that you think, no, no way, I'm not doing that. And that's okay. Um, I definitely think when we were in university, we were encouraged to apply for lots of jobs, if I remember correctly. Like, apply for this, apply for that, like, don't limit yourself. Apply, 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 and you know, just put yourself out there. Apply for anything that takes your fancy. Just go for it, kind of thing. Yeah. And did you do that, by the way? Did you do that? Apply for loads of jobs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I applied for about about ten jobs, coming up to qualify in. What? I didn't attend. Yeah, I didn't attend all the interviews. I was so I don't know. I think I got to a point and I thought oh, you know, I, I won't get a job because everyone's all of a sudden in our class was like, oh, I've got a job, I've got a job, I've got a job. And I was all like, oh, I haven't got a job. And it's March. Do not worry. Like, time is on your side. And for me, I think I'm quite happy now that I didn't rush to just apply for a job so early on because what was I going to do? What, they're going to wait another a whole year or nine months to wait for me to qualify before I now start this job. In that time, I could have had a baby. Yeah, you know I mean, like I'm glad I took my time and just look. I, I think it was just I was battling with whether to go and do a rotational post, go to a general ward, or just go straight to A and E like I'd always wanted to. Mm. And everyone around me was like, "Oh, you know, it's not wise for you to just go straight into speciality because you'll never learn the holistic approach of the way Pete is, this, that, and the other." And then someone else I spoke to was like. Why would you do something you don't like? Why yeah. would you go and do something that, you know, your heart's not in? If your heart's in a or your heart's in neonate or your heart is in oncology, why would you go and do general nursing for what? To gain what skills? You're more likely yeah. to gain better skills for going for mm. what you want. Mm. And then, I've, I've forgotten who even said this. I don't think they were, like, nursing-focused. I think I was just talking about jobs in general. And like that's always just stuck with me it's like Geraldine go and apply for the jobs that you want not necessarily what you think everyone else thinks you need to do because at the end of the day this is your life you need to make yeah the decisions. and, it, and it's,
1: it's also your career and if you're somebody for example um a mature student mm. who's had life experience you might already have children at home that will affect the job you choose yeah. You could also be somebody who is was fresh out of college, you know, been in uni. This is your first proper adult decision and yeah. you want to do it justice. You want it to be true to yourself. Don't watch face as you would say. Like you need to make sure that this is right for you. Yeah. Um me personally, like I only applied for one job after university and I got it and I went there. Fair. I didn't apply for lots of jobs. I applied for one and similarly people were I have a job I have a job I have a job I have a job and I kind of wasn't really bothered I mean that sounds awful to say but I wasn't because I no, was just I really like so. it is what it is and, and it's the same with me when I was applying for university I applied for one and I got it that's it that was just that I think I took a very relaxed approach I think that approach almost scared of them mm-hmm. a bit but I just wasn't really stressed out about it too much. I was like, I'm never going to do it or I'm not. Yeah. Um, I've seen something that I like. I can get to that place. It offers me what I want. I'm going to try and apply for it. And I'm going to see what happens. Yeah. And that was just how it was for me. And, that, and like I said, I applied for one job and I got that job. And that's the job that I did. And that was it. So like I think Gigi said, is don't allow peer pressure in your year to make you feel like, they will have jobs, I need to have a job. Yeah. No.
0: And also um, take
1: your time, take your time to look for what you think is good for you. Yeah.
0: Um, and talk to your peers, I think, talk to each other. Yeah, because I don't think it's wise that, you know, not just newly qualified, I think in general, even like how like me and you talk, I don't think it's wise that people feel like they're now in a game, in a race between them and their friends and all their colleagues as to, okay, this person's got a new job, I need a new job. I think it's a, you need to be, like, setting yourself. Like, one thing my mum always says to me, for example, is, like, you look at your hand, none of your fingers are the same. So why am I now rushing to compete with everyone else because they have a new thing? If I'm ready to leave that job and I want to apply for a certain job, then apply for it. Don't rush. I, I wouldn't... I don't think it was bad that I applied for so many jobs and didn't get it. I think what stopped me from getting it more was just more because I was nervous. Okay. And babbling a lot more. And also cause some of these places were really far. I don't know why I thought I was going to go and work like nearly two hours away from home. So that was another reason why I, I had declined a few of the jobs. So I'm, I was quite happy with the job that I'd got. I'd gotten to come out of University. So I was like, it's not that far from home. It's fine. It's like, I'm happy with the learning, the learning things that are going to happen from it. I'm happy. I don't want to go and do a job that I'm going to be
1: unhappy in. Mm, I think, touching on what you actually just said about some of the jobs being far, so again, something that people need to consider and remember yeah. is you can love a job, but you also need to remember you're working 12 hours if you're doing shift yeah. work. Um, if you're working nine to five, because some people go straight into the community, yeah um if you're working early you're working late these are all things you need to consider when you're looking at these kind of jobs because you need to think of your own health for yourself yes yeah. so take that into consideration as well when you're looking for these positions
0: i think that's probably one of the biggest things because i always said to myself i never ever 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 want to work anywhere that takes me an hour or more to get to Within that hour, I need to be dressed and ready for handover, have left my home and got there. I don't now, at like, an hour and 15 minutes past, or nearly an hour and a half later, still be on the tube. No. Or still be in the car. No, I just just don't think it's wise. Like Diane said, you're going to spend 12 hours in this place or a set amount of time. If you're doing nine to five and, you know, you you live in Ilford, but you're now going to be working at St George's in Tooting, What time do you have to leave home? And then you're now going to be on public transport with everyone else.
1: And so for anyone that doesn't know logistics, it's like, so from east going to southwest,
0: you're kind of crossing over. And how far is that going to take you? Like, how long can you see yourself doing this for? And I think for us and for nurses and other healthcare professionals that also do long hours, that's another big factor that you need to factor in when you're looking for jobs, like how far are you willing to travel? Because it's not just one way. You've now got two ways. You've got to get, you have to get to work and then you have to get home. Like I did that. One of the jobs I went for, I, it took me like nearly an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes sometimes to get home and get there. I vowed to myself, I will never put myself through that again. I tried to justify it to myself in my head that the reason I've taken that job was because I wanted intensive care experience, but when it comes down to it, I'm more than happy with my A&E experience and it taken me like half an hour to get to work more than happy. I'm guessing that's also something you could probably agree with.
1: Yeah, I think I'm really lucky that geographically I live near very good hospitals. Mm. So King's College, um, guys in St. Thomas, um, UCL. I live near so many good, so I have a wealth of choice in this area. Yeah, my first my first job qualifying was about an hour away, on the train, and it wasn't bad, but it was tiring. It did take mm-hmm. its toll, and I think it was a big factor when it came to moving job. That was a big um consideration. That oh, I'm now going to be a bit closer. I'm going to be more local. It's going to be easier. Yeah. Um, you know, the travel time will be cut less, mm-hmm. and you definitely see a difference if you're nearer to where you live. For example, um. I would definitely say you have to think of things that have happened while you've been training. For example, there could be an emergency and you have to stay late to help. Or yeah. there could be that you have to do work with your mentor and you've got to sign into your book. Or you can find that there's rush hour and you're running late. So and you think of where you're doing these placements and think of okay, how has the travel have been affecting me while I've been doing this? And how has it been like that? Look at all those factors like we've said, when you're considering those jobs, because they all are really important. And I would say, as a a newly qualified nurse, or as any health professional,
0: your punctuality is very important. It's a big thing, because, like, the same way, you wouldn't be late for an interview. So why would you be late 10 times out of 11 shifts? And remember,
1: like, your line manager is writing your reference, and your lecturer, in this case, I guess, would be writing your first ever reference. And they probably would hone in on, on feedback from your placements, feedback from yeah. your mentors, feedback from anyone that's been overseeing you. And let me just put it out there, your programme leader, your personal tutor they will not lie. So if you aren't on time, if you're not punctual, if there's so many variables that are impacting you, they will come out in that reference.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: so so like I said, yeah, consider certain elements,
0: and even like you said about life, like if you do have certain things you have to, like whether you have a family or you know you've got you live somewhere that's super far away or things that need doing, sometimes just don't think it's worth working so far away. Like yes, you might want the experience, but I can't lie from from my own experiences, I would rather move, only because after going through that journey. I never, ever, ever in a thousand years ever want to go through that again. And I think you just yeah. need to be wise with your choices. And like Diane said, like, if you are about to qualify, your practice teacher or, or your programme leader will be writing these references. And if you've been late to, like, every lesson you've had, trust me, they will find out. So, it's, I don't think it's something to play with. No. But then that moves us quite nicely on to, towards, like, interviews. Yeah. I got the chance about a few weeks ago, about two weeks ago, I got to sit in in some band five interviews. I wasn't part of the panel. I was just observing to see what it would be like. And I can't lie, after speaking to like my, our practice development nurse and also our matron, some of the things that has come out from what people have done on like applying for jobs, applying for jobs and even coming all the way down to the interview itself, it just seems to me, seems quite wild. But when I mention it to other people, they don't. It doesn't seem that way. But Dan, you can probably agree with me in this that, like, if we go to interviews, we make sure that everything is perfect. Oh, like, definitely. Like no strand out of place. You know, you're ready to go. Yeah. So one of the things I was talking to my practice development nurse about, he was saying that like a lot of people have been turned up to interviews just in like normal everyday clothes, like they've gone to the shops, which I think is very strange. Because I I couldn't, I just can't think of that. The moment I hear I've got an interview, I'm ready to plan in what outfit I'm wearing, what shoes, how I'm going to come across, how I'm going to present. And it's like all these little things make such an... Why does this always happen to me? I want to say such an influence. Is that the right word?
1: I know what you're trying to say. In a sense of how you present is the window to who you are. I think it's the best thing I can say yes because if you think about it all they've seen is you on paper for your personal statement
0: yeah when they haven't met you
1: as a person they haven't met you as a person yet they yeah. haven't spoken to you they don't know what you look like they don't know your temperament or your character they don't know how you present so when they first clap eyes on you all they have is what you said you are in your yeah. statement so they already have an idea okay professionally she's this she's got this experience this, this, this okay tick we're happy with this interview but when you arrive that is the window to who you are and the saying is you never you never get a second chance to make a first impression
0: you don't let's not lie not just in nursing like in everyday life meeting people you never get a second impression it's that first impression that really counts so you need to present yourself in a way that people are going to be like we want him slash her. They've shown us they is who they is who we need. So we want them. You don't want it to be that like people are like, oh, yeah, you know, that person did this. They showed up to work and like you know, got all food down their uniform or down their shirt. But it plays a part. But then also going back to something that I mentioned, like also looking for jobs that aren't too far away. Also being punctual to interviews or being openly honest that if you are running late, you're running late. I remember there was one interview that I went for and what happened? There was something with the trains. Again, this is when I was stupid and applying for jobs that was like a thousand miles away. Please don't ask me why. (laughs) (laughs) And this particular day, something had happened with the tubes and I think someone had been hit. By a train, I don't know, some something terrible, and luckily, everybody, even the people that were interviewing, were like over an hour late. But you know, like your panic. For me, I'm a goody two shoes. I can't like the moment I'm late for my normal shift. I'm like, oh my god, I need to call work and let them know I'm gonna be three minutes late or some craziness. So you can't yeah. imagine what my what my palpitations, and how I was feeling that day. Like oh my gosh, I'm gonna arrive, I'm gonna be hot and sweaty, I'm gonna be an hour late blah 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 but just call people up let them know that you're running late and let them know what's happened. just be open and honest with the situation and ideally and you be penalized.
1: i think touching upon that though is to be able to do that you need to be prepared yes so have everything ready. you need to have you need to have the numbers that you need available to you to call if you're going to be late you need to know who you're going to speak to if you're going to be late You also need to know how you're getting there. You need to journey plan beforehand. Um, I'm a stickler for time. I'm a stickler for being punctual. I'm one person who, I do get nervous, but then when I'm in an interview, it's like game face on and I'm there. And I'm there to show you why I need the job. But it all sets the tone in terms of how it all starts. So if I get there late, I'm a bit harassed. I'm a bit stressed. I'm fumbling my words. I'm a bit worried. like, so I don't like that. And I know that that isn't me. I need to go to a place and familiarise myself, digest the environment, I need to take it in. Then yeah. i perform at my best. So me personally, I always travel to the venue like a week before. Mm. Always. I actually go to where I'm going. So I know the routes. I know what can and can't happen. I know where I'm going. I give myself time to get lost. Um, and I always make sure I know like, where an information desk is or something so I know who I can speak to. But that's just, I'm very particular when it comes to stuff like that. Mm. So, for example, when I was in a student and I was going to do a community placement, the week before the placement, I, I travelled to where I was going like yeah, on I a Saturday. That. And I would go there and know uh, this is where I'm going. Now I've seen the entrance, I know how to get there. I will let myself get lost a bit so I know if I take that road, I can come back this way. What train line I need to take, what time the train will come. If I leave at this time, what time I will come. And honestly, when, I, when you say it to somebody, they're probably thinking, my goodness, but it saves you stress. So and stress. It's part of being prepared. So, And I would say for an interview, you need that level of preparation. Yeah. You know, this, this is your first job if you are going to be a newly qualified and if you're a seasoned nurse you're going into another chapter of your career and you want to show that part of your career respect you want to show the panel the respect you know what I mean you want them to be like she takes it seriously or he takes it seriously they want this they've planned for this or they've accounted for this because that's something that some people don't think matters but it matters a lot they will pick up on things like that
0: and that's the reason why that, you know, jobs will that's one of the reasons why jobs will ab- absolutely give you the job. So from me sitting in that interview, it was like little things like just how the person presented themselves. And it's not down to, you know, the words that come out of your mouth. It's a holistic approach. But these people the people that were interviewed were were all on time. They'd sat their math tests, they'd completed it, they'd passed. Obviously they'll you can tell that they were nervous, which is fine, like we all get nervous. But everyone handles it in a different way. But they were ready; they came prepared, yeah. ready,
1: yeah.
0: ready for this interview. So the two people's interviews that I sat in—one was a uh, the third-year nurse who was about to qualify, and one was a nurse that's been a year, ugh, one was a nurse that's been a nurse for the last three years. So you can also tell like the difference in the experience they've had. But nevertheless, they both brought something to the table, which was quite interesting. And one again talking about interviews, the one thing I will say is it is down to buzzwords. Like you have looking at what is on the sheets that the panel members are ticking off, it's down to buzzwords. And I think not just because I've worked in safeguarding, but I think one question that comes up everywhere is safeguarding. Not necessarily safeguarding children, also safeguarding adults. It's a question that's going to be asked all the time, whether it's that or it's going to be like risk assessments. I think probably the two things that whatever interview you go for, healthcare, nursing-wise, whatever, they, they are going to be the things that you get asked on. How would you cope in a situation? For example, how would you cope in a situation if you had an issue with a colleague? And, yeah. Oh, I feel like I've gone off on a tangent. I'm really sorry.
1: No, I understand what you're saying. Basically, what you're saying is that, Key point is being prepared. Oh, being prepared. Um, and even being or... the fact that even if you're a third, you've been qualified for years or you're a third you're going to qualify, yeah. that the questions are similar, but the experiences are different.
0: Yeah, and it's how you how you the person sit in the interview interprets it because obviously me and Diane can go for the same job, we have different experience, so we will bring different things to the table. It doesn't mean that neither of us isn't qualified to do the job we just have different experiences or and there's different things that we want to get out of that particular role. Yeah. But it's strictly down to buzzwords and essentially just preparing yourself. That's mainly what it all comes down to. If you prepare yourself, I always say, prepare yourself for like normal questions that they're going to ask. What brings you to this role? Why do you want to come and work for us? What in your last line of work has given you, has given you the skills to uh, to take this job and I think whether you're a student nurse I think student nurses probably find this the hardest after seeing going through watching that particular interview um it's not just geared at nursing they want to know like what else you've done like in your past life like have you had a part-time job during your during your nursing course what things have you done like have you volunteered have you gone to do certain things it doesn't They want to get to know you in that interview. Fair enough. It could be twenty minutes of you just talking. I'm not just talking about that whole question. I mean, in general, for the whole interview. But they want to get to know you. They don't. They. It's not like they just want to know what you're going to be like at work. They want to know like you can switch off, you can relax. Our job, we we all do an extraordinary job in an ordinary world. So whoever's interviewing you wants to wants to know that you can take that time out for yourself which is very important and I've got a list of 10 key things I think is quite important when applying for jobs and I'll link them into the into the post when we post the episode and hopefully it helps someone else and also if anyone wants to check it out um, don't forget the bubbles is a great forum it's more paediatric consultant based but trust me it can be used for any line of nursing any line of healthcare They've got a great post on how to prep for interviews with some really good tips and tricks. So check them out also. So guys, we wanted to just go quickly touch upon what happens if, you know, you don't get offered the interview, which this could be stemmed down to like your personal statement, whether you've looked at a job description or if you're someone who just has a generic personal statement and just sends out for all jobs it's not geared to what they're looking for like if you look at the job description it tells you it tells you what is essential what necessarily isn't but is useful for the role etc etc I personally think that it's a great thing for anyone not just even nursing jobs I think any type of job to look at before applying what do you think Diane? Yes I would say
1: a personal statement is the chance for you to show off yeah. It's a chance for you to show your knowledge, your experience, what you can do, what you're good at, your strengths, mm. and also show areas that you're willing to work on and willing to learn.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, like Gigi said, when you're applying for jobs, you need to look at the job description. You need to make sure that what you say in your personal statement reflects what they want from you. Yeah. And it's like the buzzwords when you're face to face. It's the same way with the personal statement and the job description. Yeah. I think a lot of employers, a lot of line managers, a lot of members of the panel, I think they line up the job description with the personal statement and kind of look and see, do these mirror? Yeah. Do we see the job description in this person on paper? Yeah. You know? So I would definitely say never rush a personal statement.
0: Give yourself
1: time to write it Mm. and let other people proofread it because when you're doing work and you're editing and you're chopping and changing, you're moving this paragraph out, you're taking it back in again, you've reread it, you can get confused, you can get overwhelmed. And the last thing you want is to make that bad impression the first time by accident because you know you're trying to get it in because you really want the job and you just haven't had enough time. So get it proofread, it's like an essay. You want it to be
0: perfect. Yeah. Also, following what Diane said, getting it proofread by someone who is in the field and someone who isn't, because then sometimes what i found, personally for me, if I've got someone in the field to read it, they're making sure that all the keywords and things that that the job description is looking for is in there. Whereas getting someone that isn't in the nursing field, they're making sure that it actually makes sense. Because I think sometimes we we can get lost in our own jargon Whereas we have to to remember that anyone could be reading our personal statement. Obviously, you're hoping it's it's someone who's been in the field before, but you have to essentially write it as if
1: anyone can read it. But I also think, though, like, forget medical jargon. You need to write legible English. Yes, yeah. You need to write things that make sense. You can't write something that doesn't add up because if you can't write a personal statement, how are you going to document notes on your patient? It's true. This is where it starts So You need good grammar. You need correct English. You need good tenses. You need to know how to paragraph properly, the right font, the right spacing. Again, these sound like such nitpicks, but those are things that can be the little tipping over the edge of they're going to call you for interview or they're not. Yeah. You know, depending how stringent the panel is or the
0: trust is. Yeah. And like, I remember talking to my matron about this. She was saying the one thing she really dislikes about reading personal statements is people that put no effort into it. Like they have written like two lines. I couldn't think of anything worse than writing two lines. Obviously, you don't need to go writing a full-on essay. You just have to make yeah, sure it's clear well, concise Hold on hold, on, hold on.
1: How do you write two lines about yourself?
0: Diane, asked me again. Like my matron has said, there's been many that she's looked at and it's, it could be like two, five lines. I, and all, all the time when I said is, I really want this job. Breaking news, people, (laughs) you will not get a job
1: if you write
0: two lines.
1: It is not enough. Okay? It is not. And if you're going off the bandings, you need to look at the job description and write about it. That see now see two lines, yeah. That's being very cheeky. That one. That (laughs) that one, you're looking for them to blacklist you on that trust. Two lines. Two. Boy. Behave.
0: No. But see how we're saying this, and we're not even doing interviews with other people. There is no way my personal statement will be two lines. I'm just saying, if you're trying to sell yourself and get a job, sell yourself well. Don't do it half-heartedly.
1: At at the end of the day, that shows how much you want the job. Yeah. If you're not willing to put the effort in before you get it, how are you going to perform when you're in the role? It's true. You know it all has an impact there's a, a domino effect on everything if somebody's applying for a job and they open up the interview or sorry they open up the application online and they just get two lines instantly they're just going to be thinking what has happened here you this know is you have, misunder- have they misunderstood have they sent the wrong statement did they copy in the wrong word document but there's confusion, and you don't want anyone to be confused about you. You want someone to say, Yes, we want that person. We want to meet that person. Yes.
0: Yeah, so, what not to do is two lines. Two lines. And that could be the reason why you haven't got an interview. Like, you might be perfect for the job, but you haven't told yourself in your personal statement you ain't getting anywhere, honey. Nowhere. Are yeah. um, talking about the. gone?
1: I was going to say, I know if I was going to say about a personal statement, is try and keep it to one page. Yeah. Which can be hard if you have a lot to say and you really want to sell yourself and you really want them to get a good idea of who you are on paper. But trust me, if they're reading 50 applications or 100, more mm-hmm. than one page, the interest is going to go. Yeah. So think of it like an appetizer. You're giving them an appetizer. You want them to taste it, to like it, but still be hungry for more. You want them yeah. to now want the main meal. The main meal is the interview. The interview is you. Simple. Yes. Ooh,
0: that's a nice way to put it, Diane. You know me. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> Such a nice way. And also moving on to the interviews, like if you don't get the interview, I think the one main thing that I can only hope that you guys are doing already is to ask for advice. How can you improve? Ask the question: Why didn't you? Why weren't you successful in that role? Is it something that could have happened? Sometimes it's just down to, you know, someone's just got more experience and has answered the questions just that little bit more than you. And mm. again, I know I keep going on about these these interviews that I watched. From what I saw, you have to get a certain percentage out of a hundred. And if you've got, let's say the cut off was seventy, if you got sixty nine you I hope and pray you said something that swept that swept them off their feet mm. but always 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 ask for some feedback ways to improve and don't take it negatively because you never know that job maybe you have ne- maybe was never meant for you anyway and a better job that yeah. you yeah. actually want will come along yeah so don't say think- such a negative thing
1: and i think like it's very important to be in your emotions in a sense. That if you don't get it, it's okay to be upset. Yeah. It's
0: like, okay. You don't
1: take it. Don't take it as, oh my god, I didn't get it, and I should have got it, and like you can be disheartened. You're allowed to be. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and I think some people might feel a bit weird, like making contact again, like you haven't given me the job, and now I'm gonna message you to ask you how I did, like why I didn't get it. Um, so that's also, like. Jodine said, like, that's okay. Like, it's all right if you do make that contact and just say, you know, I've received your decision. I mean, I'm really grateful that I got to meet you and have the opportunity to be interviewed. I I just love to have some feedback on how well I did and what I can work on. And I would say, like, things like that. I mean, I don't ever want to preempt not getting interviews because you will get interviews and pass. Yes, you will. But if that is something that you want to be overly prepared for, you can have a template and have it set, saved in Word. Yeah. And you can just email that back if you don't get that job and just send that email. And I'm sure that person will also have more respect for you because you are showing, as a practitioner and as a professional, you care about your development. Yeah. You care about doing well. You care about being better. And that could be enough for if you ever apply for a job again in that trust or you go for that same job they could remember that and say oh that person wanted to do better they wanted to know more they wanted to know where they went wrong and that makes you more appealing that makes them want you more that makes you want that main cause yeah
0: and we're not perfect so asking for advice is probably the best way to come back from not getting that position because there's plenty more positions out there and to be honest the feedback you get from one could be utilizing every other interview you ever go for. Whether nursing, Mm -hmm. whether, or whether in a completely different field, like interview practice is interview practice. They can Mm -hmm. be utilised all over the gaff. So don't see it as a negative thing, but yeah, like Dan said, it's okay to be upset. If you worked hard and this was the job you wanted, it's okay to be upset about it, but don't let it stop you from finding whatever your dream will be.
1: Yeah. I do have, like, a really quick
0: one that on. I
1: want to throw a in the works. Go for it. What do you do if you get a job and then you don't want it? You've gone for the interview. They've walked you around the ward. You've done the interview and then you realise, I don't think
0: I want the job. I'll turn it down. I have turned it have down. You ever had, have you ever had that? Mm, last year. It was as, just as I got safeguarding and I got school nursing as well. Yeah, And I took, so I did the school nursing interview beforehand and then went for the, and then applied for safeguarding. And it wasn't because I wasn't interested. I was looking at my own progression. So the school nursing position I'd gone for was a five and safeguarding would have been a six slash seven. And I was on, and I'm already a band six. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to drop my band in. However, I did like my reasons for leaving Aine were different at that time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to see it as like it was just an easy way out. However, if I've got the chance to do what I really want to do, which is safeguarding, there's no point in me taking the school nursing job when my heart's not in it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I I found it quite difficult actually. So I was like, oh, how do you, you know? say to someone "Oh, I don't want this job now after you said yes Mm -hmm. and I basically sent them an email just apologizing saying that I've had another and said like I had another offer that I'm going to take and I just made sure it was polite so that if I do apply for another job back at that back of that trust or in that in or that particular community trust um -hmm. I'm not trying to burn my bridges I think that's the one thing I have to stress do not burn the bridges because you don't know where life may take you. And you, I could end up still going there. Also as well, that
1: nursing is a very small world. Oh, very small. Especially if you stay in London. Um, it is really small. You, you can bump into the same people. You can be with somebody and then years later, they're on the panel interviewing you. Yeah. Um, and I think, and that's what can be really difficult because you, Um, nursing is people based yeah and it's different personalities it's different um, characters different temperaments and you kind of have to be a team and you have to work together in all different kind of environments and circumstances yeah and you just have to always remember that I have to be professional I have to remember that I am a nurse in society and, and in the workplace and you just don't know who you will meet yeah. So just don't ever leave bad blood anywhere you go. Oh, anywhere. Like I wouldn't, anywhere, um, it just wouldn't you don't do it. want it to impact
0: your future in any no way. You don't. And it can seriously like if you had if you had an issue with same management at one place, who's to say that they don't know management elsewhere? And one of the recent interviews I'd been for that I didn't get the job for, one of one of my line managers was actually on the panel and I didn't know this until I turned up for that job, which was a completely different trust. It just so happened that the manager, the manager doing conducting the interviews was also good friends with one of my line managers. So I feel like if it's someone you you just don't know, like Diane has said, you don't want to have bad blood in, a, in an area, but it does happen. I know some people just doesn't don't believe it does, but it definitely does. Like I don't know the coincidence is there how can I have gone to an interview that my line manager is also at? And she didn't know I was applying. Yeah.
1: So I'd say another tip or bit of advice that I would give that I always personally try to do is an an informal visit. Yeah. So an an informal visit is where you can go to the environment that you're going to, clinical or non-clinical. Yeah. And you can just have a walk around and see the daily running of the unit. So you're not there for an interview, you're not under pressure, you're not sweating, you're not stressed. You've just gone to meet the manager, have a bit of a chat, get a feel for the environment that you're trying to apply to. Um, not everybody does it, and I have recommended it to some of my nursing friends to do it, yeah. because it gives you a real insight into where you're going. Yeah. And sometimes what you apply for and what you then step into can be really different. Yeah um sometimes in some environments they i won't say dress up the area Mm. but things are so perfect on interview day things don't look as stressful things look very organized things are are surprised organized in a certain type of way so you don't sometimes see the chaos you don't sometimes see the madness because they want you to come they want you to work here they want you to see the environment and love it and want to be there so when you are on an informal visit, no one in that area, apart from the land manager, knows this. Yeah. So you get to see the environment in its actual capacity in real time. Which is great. Yeah, and to me, it gives, you a chance to, it gives me a chance to put myself in that environment and say, can I see myself here? Can I imagine myself in this team? Mm. Can I see myself on this ward or in this community team? Yeah. or in displacement is this something that I can see that my personality will match yeah and it, it could only be 30 minutes but it's enough and again it depends if you're a visual person and you just need to have a feel of a place you need to catch, catch a vibe to see yeah this works for me or this won't work for me
0: yeah well I think that's so great yeah. advice I'm going to use that for the next job I apply for then no
1: honestly like it, and you know what it is as well the land manager will always remember you. Yeah, because you're
0: probably one of the few people who actually do it.
1: Yeah, because think about it. You have time to pick their brains because you're yeah. asking questions as you're walking around. You know, you've done a bit of research before coming there, so you have an, a slight idea of what you're going to see. Mm-hmm. And you have one-on-one time with the manager that you wouldn't get because normally when you do meet them in an the interview, it's them and other people mm-hmm. and they're, on a very professional interview stance
0: yeah
1: whereas when you're on an informal visit it's informal so it's a chat it's a conversation it's more light it's not very heavy and you do get they get to know you a bit you get to know them a little bit and you feel a lot more comfortable so if you're someone that does get nervous at least you know if you apply for that place and you come for interview you've met this person that's yeah. one less person to be anxious about because I've seen you before, I've talked to you before 100%. I know who you are and you know me a little bit, you've met me so yeah, I'm all for informal visits, 110% I'm definitely going to try that next time mm-hmm. So I feel like we have tied the bow on jobs and interviews
0: Yeah
1: um, I feel like we've packaged it and given tons of tips and bits of advice and I guess kind of what we've done and what's worked for us.
0: Yeah like obviously really? it's not gonna work like what we've done may not work for everyone but these are our tips and tricks and you can adjust them and will use them if you want yeah and see what helps you and like I've mentioned I'm, I will link up don't forget the bubbles it is the page does say top tips for consultant interviews. But to be honest, I've used these in pretty much all the interviews I've ever been for. And they are great tips. So check them out. And it's also a great forum and a great source of materials for pretty much anything paediatric based. But all forms of nursing can use it also.
1: Yes. And as uh, me and Gigi always say, you know, thank you for listening as always. Thank you for following. Thank you for letting your colleagues and your friends know about us we love new followers, we love new listeners so keep coming Um, we have a lot of exciting things in the pipeline that are coming Yeah. so keep your eyes peeled on Instagram and we don't want to spoil the surprise so we won't reveal anything but we will (laughs) love
0: you and leave you for this episode and hopefully all we've said has been great and will be of good use to you yeah so take care guys until next week Until next week, bye. Bye.